Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. We are recording this on Tuesday. What day is it? It's April 21st. I can't even believe it. Um, All right. Markets are closed. Down day for stocks. This is all about the oil market. We talked about the oil market yesterday, but the oil market is getting destroyed and it's getting destroyed for a good reason. And that reason is that we are not demanding as much in energy products. I did a little follow-up to yesterday's podcast and looked up some information. By April 10th, consumption of petroleum products in the United States dropped to the lowest level in 30 years. Demand for gas declined by nearly half since mid-March. Jet fuel consumption has plunged by 70%. And one might ask oneself, if one were thinking about it in this way, if demand for petroleum products is down by so much, would it not then be rational to consider that demand for other products could be down that much? I don't know. Stock market rallied from the lows. Maybe those investors are right. Maybe they're not. We just don't know. In the meantime, let's just answer your questions because that to me is more important. If you are thinking about something that's bugging you financially, even about the economy, maybe it's a workplace issue. Why don't you give us a holler? Just send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Okay, here we go. Uh, This is a question um, from Bill who says, since there's no required minimum distribution from uh, retirement accounts this year, can there still be a tax-free qualified charitable distribution? Sure. In other words, you can still take an RMD. You don't have to. And then the question becomes, you know, is that a way for you to just give some money away? Maybe that's something you'd like to do. Or maybe you'd rather wait till next year and just do a bigger distribution. There's nothing you have to do, but you can also be assured you can, if you wish, do a qualified charitable distribution. This is from Katia, who says, thank you so much for your daily dose of wisdom, especially during these difficult times. I learned a lot from you about personal finance and appreciate your mix of expertise and humor. Reading your book right now and finding it chock full of useful info. Thanks. Okay. Katya is 35. Husband is 34. In 2018, uh, she financed her federal student loans to a 10-year private loan with, wow, a 3.35% interest rate. That's amazing. But now, thanks to today's rates, I can refinance again. I'm just not sure which option to choose. I've got $72,215 outstanding right now. Okay. You ready for option A? It's a refi for a 10-year term at 2.7%. Oh my God, that's incredible. Monthly payment would be $687. We'd save $164 a month over the life of the loan. Okay, option B, 15-year term at 3.1%. Monthly payment would mean that they'd save about $350 a month, but pay more over the life of the loan. Okay, but let's hear about more about their real life. We've got $185,000 in retirement accounts, $160,000 in cash. Huh. We live in an expensive urban area. We were saving toward a down payment. Not sure we're going to be able to afford a house anytime soon. Our adjusted gross income is $230,000. I'm self-employed. My income could go down after we have children. Is it a good idea to free up more money each month for flexibility and or invest in the market or is paying less interest? I am going for this, Katya. I say flexibility rules. 
That's absolutely it. But I would ask another question, and that is, should you refi at all? That I think that there is something that is kind of like the bigger picture here. The 3.35% interest rate for 10 years, is it worth it to just keep what you have, not pay another bunch of closing costs? Or do you want to stretch some things out and give yourself more flexibility? That to me is the bigger question. I don't know what you do for a living, but I love flexibility, but I would want you to really factor in just how much it's going to cost you to do this because it may not be worth it if the cost is too high. All right. Okay. Question comes from Dan who writes, thank you for the work you're doing on the podcast. Your advice has made me feel smarter and more secure in these turbulent times. To start out, I want to acknowledge that I am in an extremely privileged position in a time when so many are struggling. I'm 25 years old. I live in Atlanta. I work in corporate finance. I want to put down roots as I love Atlanta and I want to buy a house. I make about $125,000 a year. I've got $15,000 in emergency reserve funds. That's about five to six months of expenses. And my job is very stable. This kid's amazing. 25 years old, I contribute 16% to my 401k. That maxes out my annual contribution. I get an additional 8.5% match from my employer, which is extremely generous. I also max out my personal Roth contributions each year. I currently have $85,000 in 401k, $27,000 in Roth, $95,000 in non-retirement index investments, $75,000 of which is an inheritance from my grandfather. I would prefer to save that and use that for any future child's education. I have great positive cash flow, 2000 to 2500 bucks a month that I can save or invest as I choose. I do want to buy a house sometime in the next two to four years. Conventional wisdom says I should invest heavily in bonds with small stock exposure. Since I feel comfortable in other areas of my finances and there's no need to buy a house anytime soon... I'm considering taking more risk, 80 stock, 20% bonds, 60 stock, 40% bonds. Do you think these allocations are reasonable? Am I making a bad choice, taking on too much risk? Um, Okay, here's my deal. If you want to take risk, take the risk in your Roth and in your 401k. But because you are going to want money to buy a home, I'm not sure that it makes a ton of sense for you to take on so much risk. And maybe what I would actually be looking at is beefing up your emergency reserve fund and making it a house fund. And I, I'm not sure that I would ever go more than 50-50. And by the way, I would keep your eye out for a house because if you found something you really liked, um, then I would just plunge in with rates low. And if that's something you can negotiate a great deal right now, maybe use some of your grandfather's money. You can always replenish it later, right? So think about that. Travis writes, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. (laughs) Is there a contemporary rule of thumb for fixed income versus equity allocation for a retirement account? Meaning he'd heard like 100, use the use the 100 minus your age or 125 in your age and equities or something else. Okay, no, those rules of thumb, they don't really matter. What matters is you and what is going on in your life. So Travis is 37, single, no debt. He's got 160 grand in retirement, 115,000 in money market and CDs, 45,000 in savings bonds, 40,000 in brokerage accounts, including a robo-advisor. I'm maxing out my employer and IRA retirement contributions. I make 
83 grand a year after a rent allowance that covers housing expenses because I work abroad. The 115,000 is for a 20% down payment on a house when I get back stateside in a year or two with plenty left over for an emergency reserve fund. My monthly expenses are minimal after the housing allowance. Um, there isn't a contemporary rule of thumb, but here's what I would say, that if you're in a retirement account and you're 37 and you've got 30 years at least until you're even contemplating retirement and you can manage the risk, meaning you know, you've got to do a risk assessment, but if you really feel okay about risk, I think the most that I would ever do is you know, 80% risk, 20% less risk, but I'm more of like a 70-30 person. It sounds like you're in great shape. sounds like you're doing everything you should be doing. But in some respects, because of that, you don't even need to take on more risk. You're in very, very good shape. So I would say 80-20 is about the most I would ever think about for a retirement fund. And 70-30 is probably more in line with what I think is reasonable over the next 30 years. But again, I'm a wimp. So remember that. Let me just actually uh, read the last part of Travis's note. You're doing a public service sharing your knowledge with candor in your daily podcasts. I will continue to listen as long as you will continue to broadcast. Deal. You betcha. We are so happy to be here for you and we are so delighted that you are listening. So we thank you very much. Okay, last question for today is Paul from California, who's thanking us for doing our daily podcast. Okay, in February, Paul moved his old 401k, about $50,000 from an old employer, to Vanguard with the intent of putting the money in an index fund. I figured the account would have taken a big hit, but when I looked at the account today, it looks like the money is sitting in a short-term reserve account, and it's only lost about $1,000 since the transfer. It looks like I may have dodged a bullet. Is this because I didn't allocate the funds after the transfer? Yeah, probably. I mean, if you just went into an IRA rollover account, the money comes in as cash and then you have to allocate it. So Paul goes on and says, how should I allocate these funds? I'm 47, married. I have a seven-year-old. I'm starting very late in terms of retirement planning and savings. Okay. So Paul, what I think you should be considering is that, you know, you are getting started late. That doesn't mean you should actually go crazy with the amount of risk. I would encourage you to take a risk assessment questionnaire. It's probably right there on the Vanguard website. I mean, maybe you just start with $50,000. You may want to look at a target date fund. Maybe you put half of it in a maybe more, maybe like 60% in a stock index fund at 40% in a bond index fund. I would like to know a little bit more about your your life and are you the sole wage earner? Are you putting new money into a, a, a retirement account? Are you or a spouse actually entitled to any pension benefits? But in general, let's kind of keep it simple. That you know, If you're really worried about um, where to put your money, uh, you can you can do a lot worse than just saying a 50-50 portfolio. But again, follow up with us and we'll give you some more information. Okay, gang. So listen, it is a wild time in the universe. It is scary. And you likely have tons of questions. And that's why we are doing this podcast. We are trying to actually answer the incredible inflow. That's like a fire hose of questions that are coming in. And if you have a question, just send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. We do our best to get to them as quickly as we can. And if we don't get to your question immediately, chances are someone else is also asking that question. So listen to us, do us a favor, 
We're happy to do this every single day. We want to spread the word. So if you would not mind, go and just send this podcast to somebody who you think could use it. Share it with people. Maybe go on to the Apple website and give us a review. Why not that? And rate us. We could use some help as well. If anything comes up that you need help with, you can always go to our website, jillonmoney.com. We have a contact button there. And just remember that during these times, we all go back to basics. We go back to basics in life. We go back to basics in our money practices. And we should just go back to basics with humanity. We just want to help you guys lift each other up. Let's do that. Let's wash our hands. Let's maintain our social distancing. Let's really be careful about how we think about going back into work and into society. And let's be nice to one another. That's the best thing that you can do right now. So thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow. 